Well, today is Laetare Sunday. Laetare, a Latin word meaning rejoice. It's a time for us to uh, take a little break from our Lenten journey and to rejoice that soon the holy celebrations of Good Friday and Easter Sunday especially are right around the corner. It's also time for us to look back on our Lenten journey thus far and see how we're doing and if we've made progress, if we've been living up to uh, any various resolutions we might have made at the beginning of the journey. And today I'd like to share with you a, a story, a conversion story of a, a Muslim man who uh, came to accept our Lord Jesus Christ and to become a Christian. And uh, this story itself is, a, is an opportunity for us to kind of look back and, and check ourselves, our own lives, and to see if we can appreciate anew the central truths of our Christian faith, uh, which we celebrate on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. This man that I speak of, uh, I've, I'm hearing his story as I drive my car. I have an audio book. I'm listening to it. His name is Nabil Qureshi, and he comes from uh, a very devout Muslim family from Pakistan. And uh, on his mother's side, there were various Muslim missionaries and preachers, and uh, both his mother and his father were very, very serious uh, religious people in their, in their Islamic faith. And uh, he was born in America. His father was uh, an officer in the United States military um, in the Navy. And uh, very patriotic Americans, very appreciative of America. And they, uh, from the earliest days of uh, Nabil's life, he, he learned to uh, be a man of prayer, to be a person of prayer. His father whispered over him various traditional Islamic prayers in Arabic uh, when he was born. Uh, by the time he was six years old, his mother had him uh, recite the entire Quran, which is their holy text, in the original Arabic. Uh, and he had memorized many prayers, and again, in the original Arabic for the, for the Muslims, that's their main sacred language. And uh, his father taught him to pray the traditional five prayers a day. Before he went off to school, I, they, they were in various places all over the world, actually. They were in Scotland, but eventually they were in America, and he went to school in Virginia. And uh, his mother said to him, uh, Nabil, you have to always speak the truth, and you always have to be upright. And I want to come into the parent-teacher meetings and have your teachers tell me that you're the most respectful boy out of all the boys. So you need to respect all your elders as if they're your parents. Just like the kind of honor you'd show to your parents, I want you to show that to uh, your teachers. And what we see in the life of this man, Nabil, as he's growing up, we see the strong family influences, this emphasis on upright behavior and morality. And it's a, a very pertinent interface with our text today in our gospel. We have this uh, verse here right at the very end. It says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. And when the gospel, when the light of the gospel is presented to someone, oftentimes, unfortunately, people reject the gospel simply because they're morally corrupt. 
and they realize and they understand at a kind of intuitive level the kind of radical change the gospel is requiring of them. And so they, they ignore it, they don't look into to see whether or not it's true. And so there's an intellectual error that they make, but the root of that is a volitional issue. It's their will has been attached to evil. And that's unfortunate, of course. It's a tragedy. There's good news, though. Our verse goes on and, and actually describes the, uh, an opposite situation. It says, But whoever lives the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. Whoever lives the truth comes to the light. And so we have this beautiful reality that even outside of the body of Christ, for those who have yet to become Christians, for those who are yet to be saved, grace, God's grace can work on them and draw them and enable them to do good works. Not works that can save them, but works that can dispose them and open them up to receiving the light of the truth. There can be men and women of real, authentic goodwill and conscience outside the church who don't believe in, in Christianity. Uh, and that's a result of grace. And if they continue to cooperate with that grace, by God's grace, oftentimes they'll come to the fullness of the truth and God will give that to them. And they'll be able to receive it because uh, they love what is true. And we see that in this man's life, in this guy, uh, Nabil Qureshi. As he was growing up, he lived a very upright life. He was a very chaste young man. And um, he uh, always spoke the truth. He had a reputation for that. He was a good student in school. And he loved to debate religion with his uh, fellow classmates, some of whom were very devout Christians down in the Bible about themselves. And uh, he thought he always had the best of the arguments with, with uh, his friends. And he probably did when he was in high school. But things changed for him when he went to college. He joined the forensics club in his university, uh, which is basically a debate club. And he met and became very good friends with uh, a very devout Christian man by the name of David Wood. And this man was uh, quite educated, and he became more and more educated as, they, as their friendship blossomed. And so they would debate the truth between Islam and Christianity. And uh, it's something important for us to know, and this ties into our, uh, the imminent celebration of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that the Muslims, um, they, they embrace this, their holy book called the Quran. The Quran explicitly teaches that Jesus did not die on the cross and therefore was not risen from the dead. So the actual central tenet of Christianity is explicitly and deliberately denied by the Quran and by the Muslim faith. And uh, so Good Friday, Easter Sunday, didn't happen, okay, for, for the Muslim religion. Now, so that was the point at issue for them. That was the key point at issue. And they spoke to each other over a course of years. They were very good friends. And, uh, and they really loved each other uh, in an authentic way. And it was out of that love and out of that friendship that little by little in their, in their arguments and their debates and their love for the truth, both of them authentically loving the truth, that Nabil came to see that he, uh, to be uh, full, to be characterized by intellectual integrity, could not simultaneously um, uh, be a student of history and understand history and appreciate history and also embrace 
the Muslim faith, specifically the, uh, the teaching that Jesus did not die on the cross and rose from the dead. And completely apart from faith considerations, abstracting from uh, belief in Scripture as inspired and as true, Scripture can be studied, the Gospels in particular, can be studied from a, a purely historical point of view. And uh, if you can, if you have time and you have a desire, you can check out on my website. I'm going to be posting a, a strictly historical argument for the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, now we receive these truths by faith through the sacrament of baptism. Uh, but faith is a human uh, act as well as a supernatural gift. And as a human act, it has to be prudent and rational. It can't be irrational. God doesn't ask us to believe things that are uh, crazy or irrational. So there is room for uh, discussing something like the resurrection from a, a purely historical point of view. And it's too much to get into right now. But again, if you go to my website and check that out, I've got a little short argument posted up there. But Nabil, in any event, uh, over the years, little by little, he saw the, that there's a strong historical credibility to the death and resurrection of Christ. And it was a great crisis for him. Because he knew that the Islamic faith, the Muslim faith, required death. It was a sentence of death for anybody who would leave their faith. Now, he's not so much in danger of that in America, but it's still a real possibility. So he had the threat of death over him, and also he knew that if he became a Christian, uh, he would uh, be separated from his family, and his family would ostracize him. And, uh, but nonetheless, knowing the consequences, he wanted the truth. He was someone who lives the truth, and therefore he came to the light, so that it would be clear that all his works he had done, even when he was a Muslim, had been done by God's grace. And so he came to Christianity, he accepted the gospel, and unfortunately, you know, he was ostracized. His family to this day does not communicate with him. They didn't go to his wedding, so forth and so on. But a story of conversion like Nabil's is an opportunity for us Christians to look back on all the things that we have received from God that we take for granted. I think of God's love for, for me personally, that I was born into a Christian family. What an awesome sign of God's grace and God's love. I was born into a Christian family. I was baptized into the body of Christ only three months after I was born. I learned the, how to pray the Hail Mary when I was five or six years old. I received accurate religious instruction as a, as a young person. I had dozens of people, both believers and unbelievers, speak important things into my life that guided me down the true path. I live in a country with, where there's religious freedom, where we can practice our faith openly, where we can examine the truth of things, where there's an open uh, communication of knowledge. I have access to libraries upon libraries and universities and centers of knowledge where there's free open access to truth, to knowledge, to history. Uh, I think of the internet. How many of us uh, use the internet to uh, further our, our education and the betterment of ourselves as persons and as Christians? The internet oftentimes is abused and used for evil means, but it's a great tool that can be used for good. Think about uh, us here in Auburn. We have mass that we can attend every day. We have access, free open access to all the sacraments. And so these are all signs of God's love. And it's, uh, a conversion story like Nabil's is an opportunity for us to look back on our Lenten journey, 
but to look back really on the journey of our whole lives and to say, what are we doing with the good things that God has given to us? And it's an opportunity for us to appreciate anew the simple truth of the gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but should have eternal life. And this is what we celebrate soon on Good Friday and Easter Sunday.